I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche with five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything now you'd be surprised at the info you get. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of another damn fantasy podcast. My name's Dan, one of your hosts. I got the other host, Trevor, here. As usual, how we doing tonight, Trevor? Doing great, Dan. We got some football on the TV finally. Preseason is here. Uh, excited to see see the football action and happening in, in real game situations, not just a training camp. Today we're going to talk a little bit about some training camp news. A couple injuries out there that could be affecting your fantasy season. Uh, I recap a little bit of a, a dynasty startup that I had. We will reveal our top 12 running backs and I'll talk to a little bit about stacking and how what stacking means and how you can use it in fantasy football. Heck yeah, let's jump into the news. I think the biggest story from a fantasy perspective, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple big ones from the past week, but the biggest one in my mind is the Tim Patrick injury out in Denver. So Tim Patrick doing the whole training camp deal, right? Routes, drills, that sort of thing goes down with an injury. Turns out to be a torn ACL. Luckily for the Denver Broncos, they did just activate KJ Hamler from his season-long injury last year. Um, First, I think... The first reaction here is that Handler's stock goes up more than maybe Judy and Sutton's would. I think Judy and Sutton were always going to be the one and two. Now with Tim Patrick, you know, unfortunately having this injury, KJ Hamler's going to be able to slide right in for that number three spot. And, you know, Russell Wilson's going to be looking to spread the ball around. Yeah, a lot of the talk in the offseason was, is it Tim Patrick or is it KJ Hamler? Who's the guy to get? Unfortunately, it's an injury that clears that up. But as we go throughout the preseason, there's going to be more of these, and we just have to follow that news, and we have to react in a way that doesn't mean K.J. Hamler is going to be a superstar, but he is definitely fantasy relevant being that number three three wide receiver. I also think Albert O, maybe a little bit of stock up just because there's one less wide receiver to be battling there as well. Um, again, I wouldn't go crazy with him, but unfortunate news for Tim Patrick here and the Denver Broncos. Uh, but yeah, Albert O and, and KJ Hamler are guys that you should probably be targeting a little bit earlier than what you would have been previous to today. Absolutely. And another big story definitely has fantasy implications, but a lot more real world application with, with uh, Deshaun Watson. You know, things finally we got we finally got that word that we had been looking for right from the arbitrator where they came out. They ruled that it was going to be a six game suspension. Judge Robinson declared that there was murmurs of that happening Sunday, uh, announced officially Monday. Well, the NFL had a three day window to appeal that ruling and the NFL has decided to appeal it. And a lot of the murmurs out there are saying that they might be going for the indefinite suspension with a minimum of a season. So, you know, 17 games and potentially a hefty fine. The way that Deshaun Watson structured his contract with the Cleveland Browns was to push a lot of that money into future seasons with the anticipation of a suspension so that it wouldn't cost him as much in the short term. And the contract is fully guaranteed. Uh, on the other end. So all of that money that they push down the line 
is still going to be hitting him in the pocket. Now, a few ways this can play out. Deshaun Watson can challenge the NFL in this scenario, and then the process could get drawn out. Deshaun Watson plays. Maybe he gets pulled later in the season because a suspension of some sort starts to take effect. This could be something that doesn't happen until 2023 as well. That is still on the table also. So uh, a lot of concerns around Deshaun Watson for sure. Yeah, and I don't know that we're going to know any answers anytime soon. Um, I do think that one thing, just from a fantasy perspective, we got to think about these suspended guys a little bit different than, say, an injured player. So if we're thinking about a suspended guy going out for six weeks, he's going to be healthy. He's going to be ready to play come week seven. When you're in these fantasy drafts, morals aside, we're talking fantasy football, and you're looking at a guy like Deshaun Watson or even a guy like DeAndre Hopkins versus a Chris Godwin who might miss six weeks due to injury, I am definitely more apt to take some of these guys who are who are suspended because they're gonna they should come in fresh, ready to play, uninjured. But from a from a standpoint of you know whether the NFL is right, what the judge did, I think that anybody could talk for a while about uh, what's going on. There is definitely a mess, and I would just hold on to your hats and see what happens over the next month. And one more reason you should wait as long as possible to to complete your redraft uh, drafts because. We've already talked about a significant injury and a significant suspension um, in the first couple of minutes of this podcast. And both of these have, have really true fantasy implications. And so just wait as long as possible for that fantasy draft. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. We, you know, with a lot of my redraft leagues, we tend to push it as far as possible. I mean, we just now we're recording during the hall of fame game right now you know, very first preseason game. And we've already got some huge fantasy football implications. Of course, you know, what you mentioned with Deshaun Watson, it carries a lot more weight than just the fantasy perspective, but we're going to keep it to that here. Um, another piece of information that came out, it's kind of been a wild week for wide receivers in particular. You got the Tim Patrick injury. We're going to follow that up with Hollywood Brown getting arrested for some criminal speeding. I think he was going... 101 on the highway and uh you know that's as a certain point some reckless endangerment all these other charges that are going to come in the mix so and the nfl is going to do their investigation the cardinals already submitted paperwork to begin that process and i assume marquise brown hollywood brown will be complying with that i would expect him to get anywhere between two and four game suspension if that were to come down this year that's another thing that as it plays out could come later in the season even or potentially the following year depending on just how fast the nfl and the league office tries to move this process through so we'll see what happens with that to your point about suspension versus injury when a player is coming off of injury even though it says six weeks it still takes another week or two before they get into the game speed, into game shape, and ready to do all of all of the things they were doing before they were injured. So there's a lot of process that goes into that. So these suspension players, you know, as soon as they're ready, they got fresh legs, they're ready to go. There's no wear and tear. And a lot of times it ends up paying dividends for them in the long run. With Ezekiel Elliott, I think, was another scenario where the dude just went off, you know, after a suspension. 
it happens. It happens that way from time to time. The Hollywood one is, is disheartening. You get to Arizona, you're all pumped up. Uh, then you go off and do something stupid like this. Fortunately, it's just a speeding ticket. I mean, I'm sure there's some criminal charges there too, but it's not, uh, he didn't injure anybody in this situation. Um, and so, yeah, it should be a, a less significant suspension and hopefully we can see him back on the football field, making better decisions soon. Absolutely. You know, with the the whole situation surrounding Henry Ruggs in Vegas, I don't think the NFL is going to take this very lightly. <clears throat> Usually they don't uh, with any scenario. They want to, you know, make sure they're upholding the standards of what the NFL players should be doing off the field. Uh, but just with the freshness of that rug situation and what, what the end result was, obviously there's no alcohol in the mix for Hollywood Brown, but still it's uh, a vehicle moving at a high speed. People could have been hurt. So <clears throat> that's going to be something they don't take lightly. In other news. Let's get some good news. Got paid. Yeah, they yeah, got paid. There we go. <laughs> they got paid. Debo Samuel is going to show up. This season, there's not going to be any holding. I guess it's a new term. I had never heard this one until this year. Holding in. It's where you're at practice and at camp, but you're not doing anything. That's a new one for me. So he's no longer holding in. He has been paid. DK Metcalf, same scenario. I think DK got paid first, and then Debo followed it up with almost an identical contract, about 70-plus million in guarantees, three years. Both of those guys are going to be happy and ready to go this year. Another extension that was passed down today was with Deontay Johnson, two years, $38 million. I was surprised to see him get paid out this early. I just feel like he could definitely maximize his value after this season being the true number one out there. Now, maybe he feels that competition with Garrett Wilson, Chase Claypool, not the same quarterback that's been back there during his most successful years. Might as well put pen to paper right now. It's hard when someone's putting $38 million check in front of you. But I, I was just shocked to hear his name amongst all of the other wide receivers. I think it puts it up to 22 wide receivers that got extensions this, this offseason. It's a good year to be a wide receiver, that's for sure. Yeah, Deontay, I would agree with that. Maybe he's looking at you know Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky and thinking, let's just get paid now. And let's go out and play the game and not worry about, uh, you know, maybe the stats going down quite a bit because of, of terrible quarterback play. Uh, and I think DK Metcalf was, I think he's a year older or he's been in the league one more year. So he had a little bit extra. He was at the end of his contract. Um, plus he's, he's just way different. He's, he's a different beast than even Deontay Johnson is, but all three great news because all three of these guys are going to be, talked about as potential league winners, the guys that you're going to be starting week to week, and they're going to be high, highly regarded fantasy assets this season. So happy they're all paid, happy they're all at camp, and let's get through camp and with great health. And then hopefully guys like, like these guys will come out here and, and win us some championships. Yeah, these these camp injuries always just kill you. You know, it. these guys work so hard, bust their bust their butt all year long trying to get back to the regular season. We got a long off season, so they're waiting, you know, eight or so months until it's go time. And then before the action even starts, you're so close. And 
<clears throat> you have to go through something with your body rehab, all of those things. So, you know, while it does have a lot of heavy fantasy implications, people definitely need to remember that these athletes are real, real people. So don't berate them online because your fantasy team's having some trouble. <laughs> now, some good news with camp. There's a lot of young players out there turning heads. I just want to highlight a couple of rookies that I've been seeing videos for, or folks are putting articles out about these guys. I'll start with the video that came out today of Drake London in Atlanta. Absolutely torched Casey Hayward, all pro corner, spent a lot of time with the Chargers. I mean, he looked fantastic. He put the moves on him. Dude's obviously really big, muscled him up a little bit. George Pickens has been getting a lot of praise out there in Pittsburgh. So, you know, make you wonder about that Deontay Johnson contract a little bit. And then Romeo Dupes with the Green Bay Packers has been the one that I've heard Aaron Rodgers talking the most about in these different pressers and, and conference events that he's been doing, aside from all the ayahuasca he's been consuming. <laughs> so that's another guy to, to be pinpointing, especially with Christian Watson sort of going through his own injury woes as the training camp gets you know underway. Now, he, he could come back any day, Christian Watson, but... Uh, Romeo's definitely putting on a show out there in camp. Yeah, I love some Romeo Dubs. Dubs. Dubs just sounds know. better, <laughs> like doves, like some W's, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, abs <laughs> uh, absolutely. With with the Green Bay Packers, you can actually go check out cheeseheadcheckdown.com, presented by Stadium Rant, and they've got a, a nice article up there about why the Packers might be Super Bowl contenders this year. So go check that out. Let us know what what you think if they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. I don't believe that that they're going to be that Super Bowl contender that you know they might want to be up there in Wisconsin. But I do think that they've got some young guys out there um, with Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson. These are going to be guys that, especially in your managed redraft leagues, you're you're kind of thrown on at the back end of your draft, and you're going to sit and you're going to wait three four weeks and see how this plays out. They're probably not getting in there, you know, week one. But if, if Aaron Rodgers is out here talking about Romeo Dubs, that's a pretty pretty good sign that he's showing up in camp. And my assumption is that his ADP will start rising as well. Yeah, another guy whose ADP is going to be rising is Isaiah Pacheco. He's He's been balling out in Chiefs camp from what I've been seeing. You know, guy out of Rutgers, seventh round. That's kind of the, the, the Chiefs' specialty, taking those little-known guys from some obscure school because of some raw talent and intangibles and putting them in the right system, playing to their strengths and really bringing the best out of them. We saw it with Kareem Hunt out of Toledo. We saw it with Tyree Kill coming out of West Alabama, of all places, and Travis Kelsey coming out of Cincinnati. There's a lot of these guys from these lesser-known schools that the Chiefs are turning into all-stars. Isaiah put up the best 40 time out of all the running backs in the NFL draft. We were able to snag him in the seventh round. And there's a lot of speculation that Ronald Jones roster spot could be in jeopardy because of the way he's been performing because of the way some of the other younger running backs are performing Derek Gore um, it could be a situation where he potentially gets traded before the start of the season kind of like what we saw with Carlos Hyde a few years ago so that's another fantasy implication just to to keep an eye on for anybody that's already done their rookie drafts for anybody that's planning for a redraft you know taking a flyer on a guy like like him could be something that could pay dividends in the long run yeah, that's kind of the position that us Chiefs fans are looking at right now in Kansas City is what they're going to do at the running back position. 
I think Clyde's got a pretty good hold on the number one. And I, I think that is one of the things I've been taking away from this the most is, yeah, the rumors about Rojo. Great that the young guys are showing up. But to me, that tells me that Clyde's not losing his job, at least not anytime soon. Uh, so you should feel confident in drafting him uh, at the right price, but you should be confident in drafting him as as a starting running back this season. Definitely. And he's gotten a lot of flack. And I think the biggest problem is that he's just hasn't been healthy the last two seasons. A lot of people forget that rookie year. He put up over a thousand all purpose. He's going to come in this year and, and really be a force in PPR formats. I have a feeling. Now tell us about this dynasty startup. What what do we have to to learn today, Trevor? I really like to to walk listeners through my thought process uh, when drafting, and and whether it's a dynasty, whether it's rookie drafts. Uh, we'll we'll talk a lot about our redrafts coming up towards the end of August, early September. It was a weird time for a startup draft. Twelve team super flex draft. I, I drafted from the eight spot. I said last week that, you know, don't be surprised if I take Trey Lance here at number eight. Kyler Murray actually felt falls to number eight. So I end up taking him. Couldn't couldn't not take Kyler. In a super flex league, you're gonna give me a guy like Kyler. We talked about in our top 12 quarterbacks podcast. I just love that running quarterback. So I had to take him. And then Trey Lance got sniped one pick before me. So for the brand, I went ahead and overpaid and got Trey Lance on my team. Spent a fifth round pick, also a, a 23 first. Jalen Hurts was on the board, so the guy just took Jalen Hurts. So essentially, I traded Jalen Hurts, a fifth round pick, and, a, and an extra first for Trey Lance. So I definitely overpaid for him. Uh, no questions asked about that one. I, I overpaid for him. Very on brand for you with how, yes. how big of you've been in his corner the whole time. So, I mean, no one can tell you that you haven't been. If he does blow up, no one can say that. That's right. And if he does not show up, then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of loss this year and we'll go back next year. But coming into the third, I got AJ Brown after 10 running backs went off in the first three rounds, which I just thought was terrible i mean it's super flex so you should be taking quarterbacks early already and then all these old running backs 27 28 years old in a startup dynasty draft i'm not about that i i drafted my first running back in round eight it was the aforementioned clyde edwards alaire but i took aj brown in the third loved the value i got there and then in the fourth when i made the move i think that really changed the game for me I was looking at DK Metcalf and a bunch of running backs and the guy from four eleven came to me and wanted to move up and he'd end up drafting DK, uh, which is who I would have taken if I would have stayed there. But I moved back to four eleven and I picked up an extra sixth. And I also moved my two ninth rounders up to a early ninth and a late eighth. So a lot of things happened in that trade, but at the end of the day, this is what I wanted. And this is what happened. I ended up with 10 picks before anybody else picked nine so i had 10 players on my team at 902 so at the beginning of the ninth round i took my 10th player everybody else was about to take their ninth player and the reason i even bring that up and the reason i really want to talk about that today on the podcast is when you're in these startup drafts and you're able to trade draft picks don't be scared to move back i moved back six spots in the fourth round to pick up a whole bunch of, of draft picks there. 
And to be able to take 10 players before anybody else gets nine players, that gives me a huge advantage. I only want to do it early in the draft. I don't care about having my 20th player before everybody else gets 19. But to do it that early in the draft where everybody else is sitting on eight players and now I'm picking player number 10, it really, to me, felt like I was I had a couple luxury picks in there. I could do whatever I wanted with them. Of course, I went heavy, heavy wide receiver. Like I told you, I took Clyde at the back of the eighth. I took Miles Sanders at nine in the ninth. Those are the my first two running backs off the board. Everything else was wide receiver up to that point. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I hated drafting out of the eight spot. I can tell you that much. Dynasty, redraft, whatever. I don't want seven to nine right now. It feels like one to six or get to the back end so I can kind of control the turn a little bit. A weird time for a startup draft, but... Uh, you know, it kind of gives us a little bit something for the listeners to hear about. Uh, th- these drafts are happening, so don't be afraid to, to to move back a little bit in these startup drafts. It's it's dynasty. You got plenty of time to make up that value later on. Most definitely, Tre- Trevor and I actually have a dynasty league that thirty two teamer from Stadium Rant, and there's been so much movement in that league. People swapping around, and we've kind of been holding pat just seeing what you know what's going to come to us really any opportunity for us to move back i think is going to be very enticing and funny you mentioned the seven to nine slot now and i i feel like in a 12 man league i've kind of gotten that same vibe in a lot of the mocks that i've been doing but i love the seven spot in a 10 man and especially in a 10 man redraft i've been getting some major value guys like derrick henry uh, you know, we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but you've mentioned it already in our last episode. You're not very high on Derrick Henry. I've been able to snag him at the seven spot several times. <laughs> and so if I'm taking him at seven in a redraft, I'm feeling pretty good about swinging back around, grabbing a guy like Stefan Diggs and a 10 man. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're essentially cutting off four different picks there. If you're a 10 man versus a 12 man, and maybe we'll have to give the listeners a, a live mock draft or a, or an episode with a mock draft to kind of talk through some of those picks, especially early on first four to six rounds. Drafting is one of the most fun things to do in, in fantasy football, the draft, but managing is fine, right? Setting your lineups on Sunday morning is great, but it's those drafts here in August and early September <laughs> that that's why we really play the game. It's the best, the camaraderie you get with everybody in the league, the smack talk, the excitement. It's like unwrapping a gift on Christmas morning. You don't know who you're going to get. Oh man. I live for the draft. <laughs> I and, think and any t- fantasy player would agree. Absolutely. The tilts, the snipes. Oh yeah. That's oh, fun. Well, let's, uh, let's jump in and talk about our top 12 running backs here. Give the listeners, uh, some advice on who they should be drafting when they, when they get started. Yeah. We'll be picking this up from, from last week where we went through 25, to 13. So if you're wanting to catch up on that before you listen to this part, make sure you go back to our last episode and, and give that a listen, uh, see where we're kind of rolling into on this episode, but I'll start at number 12 and then just kind of pass it over to you. So number 12 for me, I know you were interested in seeing who my top 12 was. I'm super interested to see who you have. There's already been some names that you've mentioned. There's probably been names that I've mentioned that aren't even in the same top 25 for our rankings. So my number 12 running back is James Conner. James Conner was a touchdown machine last year. I really liked having him in a couple of my leagues. 
foolishly, I will tell tell the story real quick. I'm in a 10 man redraft. I'm sorry, 10 man keeper league. We get one keeper per per season. And I do it with a bunch of my high school friends. I made the foolish trade of sending Jalen Hurts and James Connor to a buddy of mine for Tyler Lockett. And I think the other wide receiver I got might have been AJ Brown right when DeAndre Hopkins went down. Or I'm sorry, AJ Green, right when DeAndre Hopkins went down. I think I got a third running back, a handcuff or something. So I made that trade. It's a redraft league. And it was the worst trade that I've ever made. <laughs> Jalen Hurts ended up going on his end of the season tear, minus those couple of games. And James Conner obviously flourished with the Cardinals, putting up 18 total touchdowns that year, especially with Chase Edmonds being hurt. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson gets hurt that same week I traded for Tyler Lockett and AJ Green never really stepped up to the plate. So <laughs> that's just what happens in those trades sometimes. That's a rough one. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Connor had that many touchdowns last year. I just assume, I guess, that Kyler would kind of take some of those with his running <clears> ability, <throat> but it, it didn't happen last year. And we'll see if James Connor can be top 12 again this year. He had a chip on his shoulder last year. I think yeah, he I proved did. everybody wrong with that. Number 11 for me, a lot of guys are so high on him, and I'm not. I'm just not sold, and I think it has something to do with the team he's on. It's DeAndre Swift. I'm not big on him being with the Lions. I know the Lions have a fantastic offensive line. I know they have a, a bunch of up-and-coming offensive weapons, and Jared Goff really isn't that terrible of a game manager for that team. I'm just not 100% sold on what his ability is going to be. The Lions likely will be playing from behind quite a bit. That plays into the effectiveness and you know how many touches he's going to get. Those are all things that I'm looking at with him. That puts him at the number 11 spot. Now, number 11 is not bad. That's still RB1 territory, lower end RB1 territory in my mind. So you know, if some of these other guys that I mentioned are gone and I have an opportunity to snag them, I'll definitely be doing that. But he just worries me a little bit. I've got Javante Williams at number 10. I think the Broncos offense has a lot of potential this year, and I think they're going to be riding him quite a bit. And at number nine, this is a guy that I think is being very undervalued this year, and it's Nick Chubb with the Cleveland Browns. Nick Chubb has been a force in the running game for that organization. He's still very young, 26, 25-ish in that range. And, you know, he's going to put up some more numbers this year. Those times when Kareem Hunt was down, Nick Chubb was a threat to go off for three touchdowns in any given game. He's just, he gets all of those goal line looks, whether or not Kareem Hunt's in, whether or not Kareem Hunt is playing. But Nick Chubb is the guy that I think is being the most disrespected out of all the running backs on this top 25 list. Yeah, I've got Nick Chubb uh, just uh, two spots behind you here. Uh, I'll go through him, through mine. The DeAndre Swift thing. I'm I'm here to persuade you, okay? He was the fourth most targeted running back last year, and he missed four games in total targets for the whole year. I think that maybe we can move him back up that 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 ranking a little bit because I agree with you. They're, I do think they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit. I just think Jared Goff's just going to keep dumping it down to him and let DeAndre Swift do his thing. So uh, I've got him up here a little bit further. So I'll, I'll talk about him when I get there, but. Saquon Barkley for me at number 12, Nick Chubb at 11. So I, I'm right there with you. I think he's going to 
We talked about Kareem Hunt a little bit last year, last week. I'm probably too low on Kareem Hunt at the end of the day, um, especially if the Watson thing holds out. It's only like six games. I probably need a little bit more Hunt. But Nick Chubb, he he's a gamer. They're going to keep handing the ball um, in this very run-heavy offense. I've got Javante Williams here at number 10, and then Aaron Jones at number 9. Aaron Jones ended up as a top 12 running back in, in 2021, and I'm not breaking news here. I think that the Green Bay is going to be running the ball a lot more this year without Devontae Adams utilizing both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And Aaron Jones is getting a little older. He's at that age 27, which is kind of getting to that cutoff where running backs really start to dip. Usually it's after their age 27 season. So I think he still has plenty of potential there. Increased in, vo- in passing volume the last two seasons. So again, you're losing Devontae Adams. So I think, you know, that increase could continue to to keep going. And that with just, you know, the assumption that they're going to run the ball even more as well. I think that Aaron Jones is a pretty safe, maybe not going to be an explosion this year, but I think he's a safe RB1 for you. I guess going from, from that number nine spot into eight, we'll go eight through five here at number eight. I've got Joe Mixon with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he had a pretty strong season last year. That offense is coming back in. He's still a young young running back, <clears throat> and they retooled the offensive line. Big moves, bringing in uh, Lael Collins and a couple of those other guys that they were able to shore up uh, those key positions on. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to get sacked as much, and I definitely think Joe Mixon is going to get some runs in. Aaron Jones for me, sits right above him at number seven. Now, Aaron Jones, I, I, the point that you made about him is exactly how I feel. I think he's going to you know, be a very safe, safe bet. I think he's going to still get a ton of work in the passing game. And I think people are maybe overvaluing A.J. Dillon just a little bit on a lot of the, these different rankings. And then at number six, I'm taking Najee Harris with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their offensive line worries me a little bit. His Yards per carry worries me a little bit from last year. They didn't do a whole lot to fix that up. But his volume is super promising, and he put up a ton of touchdowns last year. And then at number five, Dalvin Cook. I like Dalvin Cook out of Minnesota. He is getting a little bit up there in age as far as running backs go. You know, it could be one of those scenarios in a year or two where he could regress a little bit. But I think this year is going to be coming back just fine. He had a thumb injury in training camp or something along those lines, not a huge deal. Still running, still doing that, uh, the whole training camp deal. I think Dalvin Cook has a really strong potential to bust into the top three when it's all said and done at the end of the season. Uh, That offense is going to be way more explosive in the passing game, but I think that's just going to open things up even more for him, and he's going to see some pretty good looks, especially in the red zone. Dan, so I've done the math here, and we are – really far away on one particular player and that's Derrick Henry. And I think we both, we probably both assume that coming in. I have him at eight. I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that. Let me go through my list here. I got Derrick Henry at eight, Deandre Swift at seven, Najee Harris at six. So I think we're pretty close there with Harris and I have Joe Mixon at five. So right behind or right in front, I think of where you had Joe Mixon there, but for Derrick Henry, for me, I I was all in on selling Derrick Henry and dynasty last off season 
made a video about it. I was telling people, anybody asked me my opinion, it was sell Derrick Henry. And the whole premise of that was he had just had the best season of, of his career and he was 26 years old at the time. That's a pretty average or normal time for running backs to peak. He was at the top of his game. In 2019 and 20 and 2020, he only missed one game and he combined for 681 rushing attempts. That is unheard of in the NFL. <laughs> they use Derrick Henry like nobody has used a running back since like DeMarco Murray days. What was I mean, that was like 2014, maybe when he that had was all with those Tennessee scares. too. Yeah, like that that was the last time people used or NFL teams used running backs like this. And so for me. Going into last year, it was uh, it was just all about that's a lot of usage. They know they can't keep doing that, so they're not going to run the ball as much. They're going to utilize the passing game. They had A.J. Brown. They brought in Julio. It didn't quite work out that way. He actually ended up getting injured, unfortunately. But even at the beginning of the year, he was he was pretty uh, he was pretty hot to start the year. Was Derrick Henry, and so going into this year, I'm really looking at this the same way. Now, not only are you coming off an injury, I think the Tennessee Titans have to look at this guy and be more efficient with his touches and be smarter with his touches because they can't give him 300-plus rushing attempts. That doesn't mean he can't still be an amazing running back and still be a top-five running back. I just think they got to really bring that down quite a bit, which is why I'm a little bit lower. I just don't see the ceiling as much with Derrick Henry as we used to see uh, and now he's also in his 28th, uh, 28 year old season. And that is, that is the cliff. Like he has passed the cliff. We all know he's a different human being for sure. So he, he could just run right through that cliff. But right now I've got him quite a bit further down the ranks than you do. I have him at eight. Um, and I'll let you, uh, tell me why you have him at what two, three or four here. Yeah. So I'll start with number four. It's Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's injury history alone puts him here. I think if he even plays, I don't know, 10 games on average the last two seasons, maybe he's number two for me just because of his points per game. He's put up some amazing numbers anytime he's available. He was, I think he played in not last year, but the year before it was just three games or four games in those four games. He put up 30 points was the floor. You know what I mean? In a PPR format, which is crazy. It's crazy to think about. And he's still a young running back. He's 25, if I'm not mistaken, 26 maybe. <clears throat> he's going to put up some good numbers if he can stay healthy. But, you know, it's all about whether, uh, you know, that pa that Panthers offense is also going to be a question. So whether or not Baker Mayfield is, or Sam Darnold, whoever wins the job, whether or not they're going to be feeding him in that way, who he's built, who the quarterback's building chemistry with. There's all these different uh, question marks surrounding it. Austin Eckler at number three for me. I put him here and I really wanted to put him at number two, but my gut is just telling me something totally different. I think you know it's what it's telling me. The Austin Eckler position here, I think he could easily be the number two running back at the end of the season. He's going to get a lot of work in the passing game. Justin Herbert loved to throw to him. He got a lot of touchdowns last year. They drafted another running back out there. That's getting a little bit of praise. I think it's um, Isaiah Spiller, if I'm not mistaken, the guy they took and he is getting quite a bit of praise out of training camp 
So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to roll with him a little bit here and there, maybe plug him in on some early down work, give him a few random red zone looks. If Eckler gets tired down the drive, I could just see a lot of these touchdowns getting hawked from him. But, you know, that also might not happen if Spiller ends up making a costly mistake that fumbles or something on his first carry. He's going to be out the rest, the mo- the majority of the rest of that game. So Eckler's one of those guys that's kind of teetering between three and two territory for me. At number two, I got to take Derrick Henry. Just the the absolute ceiling he has in every game to put up three to four touchdowns and bust one for 80 yards. We've seen him do it for a number of years. Yeah, the cliff is coming. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I'm just not ready to give up on Derrick Henry just quite yet. I think I think this last year is I think this year is going to be the last year I have him in my top five for sure. And Jonathan Taylor, number one, for obvious reasons. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor at number one is pretty consensus. I also have him at number one and, and not a lot to say about him. Young, the focal point of the offense, he's going to be a smash this year. I have Dalvin Cook at four, so I think I just just ahead of you. I also have Austin Eckler at three, so I'm right in line with you. And then I have McCaffrey at number two. The injuries uh, is very warranted. You know, the last two seasons, he's only played three and he played in seven games last year. got injured in two of them. He really finished five games last year. So you're looking at, he finished eight games and really he didn't even finish that game against the chiefs two years ago. So you're looking at seven or eight games over the last two seasons. That's hurt. That's hurt. Like that kills you, especially he's been the number one pick the last two seasons. So that's pretty rough, but for me, it is all about that ceiling that you just mentioned. Uh, you think that Derrick Henry has, and I think the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. The five games that he did finish last year, he averaged twenty three and a half PPR fantasy points, and that's just that's league winning production. You get that for sixteen, seventeen games, you're winning the league. Probably the only reason he's behind JT for me is because of of the injury stuff. Other than that, if you told me, hey, both of these guys are going to play 15 games this year. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey because the PPR, uh, the way they use him, the way we've seen Matt Rule use him, it's just way too difficult to to not take him if I'm guaranteed 15 of the 17 games. Unfortunately, we don't have that ability, so therefore he falls behind Jonathan Taylor for me. But I do think he's an easy number two pick overall in, in managed leagues uh, this season. Dan, I want to ask you a question here about your top 12. Looking at the bottom of that range, you know, six to 12, seven to 12, what running back do you have down there? Come January, he's going to be the number one running back, the number one running back. And which one of those guys do you think could actually do that for you? Yeah, it, it's hard when you're looking at that range, right? The top five, those are all the easy answers. This is where it's kind of, you know, splitting hairs a little bit. For me, I'm taking Aaron Jones from my personal ranking of 12 through six. I got to take Aaron Jones. I think the Packers offense is going to need a lot of help from him (laughs) to be productive. And I think they're going to lean on him a little bit this year. Um, I could absolutely see him. He's honestly one of the safer picks when it comes to running backs. I think you mentioned that already. Um, And I totally agree with it. And I think that's because of the ceiling that he presents 
with his chemistry that he has with Aaron Rodgers. They've already got a very good working relationship. A lot of the passing targets that Aaron Rodgers is dealing with, this is all the first times that he's going into it, and he has a tendency to sort of throw the balls to the guys he trusts the most. Even in the worst scenario, he'll do that. Uh, Aaron Jones, I just see him getting a lot of red zone looks, a lot of looks in the passing game. He might you know, potentially set a record or a career, not a record, a career high for receptions this year and, and passing numbers. Um, those are all things that I could absolutely see if I'm looking at that group of running backs on the list. What about you? For me down here at this this bottom half of the top 12, it's, it's Javante Williams for me. The kid's pretty electric. Now he's got Russ Wilson at the helm there in Denver. Reports coming out of camp right now. It's it's probably a 70-30 split with Javante and Melvin Gordon. That to me is like Javante Williams to the moon type of information that I want to hear because I don't want to hear 50-50s, any of that kind of jazz, especially with a guy like Javante Williams. Javante no last 50, year. 50. <laughs> no 50-50. No 1A, no 1B. No, we don't want a timeshare here. <laughs> We want we want a running back and then a backup. And I think that's what we're going to get in Denver. Honestly, Javante's got all the tools. He can stay on the field for all three downs. Last year, 53 targets over the course of the season. That's three targets a game. You're, if you, you know, that's, if that's three catches a game, that's an extra three points to start the week with that running back. I think that becomes even more and more. He had uh, one game with nine targets last year. So, you like to see that type of volume from your running back, especially in PPR, even in half PPR. Honestly, that's great volume there. And then you add in Russell Wilson's ability to run that could open up extra lanes. Obviously Russell Wilson's ability to, to throw the ball and to run an offense. And I just think Denver is going to be trying to play catch up with the chargers and the chiefs and this, these other, you know, the Rams and the, where the AFC and NFC West this year. So the Cardinals, so there it's going to be one of those seasons, I believe, there in Denver that they're tempo up all the time. That's going to really help Javante. And at the end of the day, in January, Javante's running back number one. I'm not going to be surprised by that. Most definitely, I think Javante Williams is one of those guys that's going to get a lot of work too. If I get if I, if he slips to me in the second round, I would be thrilled to take him. <laughs> Now tell us a little bit about this best ball and proper ways to stack. Yeah, we'll be coming, giving you a little bit of uh, updates on best balls every week. Last week, I talked a lot about week 17 and, and stacking that week. I wanted to come this week and talk to the listeners, explain a little bit of what stacking means. We're going to talk a lot about stacking, whether it's with best ball, whether it's with daily fantasy stuff during the season. You could even do some stacks in your managed leagues as well if you would like. I know people do that often. Uh, if it falls the right way, go ahead, stack up your team. Essentially what you're you're saying in a primary stack, you've got the quarterback and you're adding a pass catcher. If you think the Chiefs offense is going to be great this year, you draft Travis Kelsey, you try to draft Patrick Mahomes, you've got a stack. I always try to double stack my quarterbacks. You know, if I'm taking Trey Lance, I want to take Kittle and Debo or Iuke, anybody there, try to double stack it. And then we have a bring back. So when we talked about week 17 bring backs last year, last week, essentially what that bring back is, is somebody from the other team. 
So now you're also betting on that game. That game's going to be the high-flying, high-scoring game. I want to double stack my quarterback here, and I want to bring back from the other side. I'm telling a story, right? I'm saying this offense is going to go off, and that guy's going to go off because he has to be catching up the entire game. There's two other uh, stack combinations you'll kind of hear me talk about throughout the season, a secondary stack. That's saying I got my running back and a tight end or running back and a wide receiver from the same team, but no quarterback, right? So I'm still stacking up that team without a quarterback. And then a mini stack is going one guy from each side of the of the ball. Uh, so a mini stack, say the, the Giants and the Colts play in week 17. I might take uh, Wandale Robinson and Alec Pierce. Uh, so, you know, that's a mini stack. I've got a guy from both sides of the ball there. So that's what you get from a mini stack. My suggestion is to always double stack the quarterback and always have a bring back and then play with the mini stacks the rest of the way. If you get a, a, a guy, just always stack him up, especially in that week 17 and do the same thing when we start talking daily fantasy, because when you get into DFS stuff, you really want to be targeting games and players within the game more than just saying, I think this is the best player of the week. Get into underdog. Now it's it, the, the puppy three is running. It's a, it's a million dollar in prizes, $200,000 to the, to the winner. It's $5 to enter. You can use my promo code, Trevor Steinbacher, go deposit a hundred dollars. Underdog will match it. So you'll have $200 sitting in your account and you can rip off 40 puppy drafts. Let them sit there all season long. Come back. Maybe you win 200,000. Um, good luck with it. But again, underdog fantasy, you can jump in the, uh, the best ball man. If you want, uh, I'm, I'm hitting the, the puppy drafts right now at $5 a piece. Use my promo code, Trevor Steinbacher. You get, a deposit match up to $100. Heck yeah. Make sure you jump in on those. That's a good deal. Anytime you can get some free money, some house money to play with, that's always a good deal. Well, people, that's all we have. We got our running backs. We've got our quarterbacks out. That means we're going to start wide receivers next week, 25 through 13 on the wide receivers. Be on the lookout for some Stadium Rant articles as well. We're going to be pushing some content on our overall rankings from the show, as well as a special guest that we're going to have at the end. Uh, once we get to the tight ends, we're going to have our friend Tyler Lamb from Stadium Rant on the podcast to kind of go over the cumulative rankings that we put together at this point. We'll have some content out for that as well uh, through StadiumRant.com. Yeah, and I'll plug here. Go follow us on Spotify, another damn fantasy podcast. And follow our NFL podcast on Stadium Rant. It's called the NFL on Stadium Rant podcast. See that channel. We've got Chiefs Edge podcast out. We've got Gillette Gazette podcast out. We've got plenty more coming. The Giants Gridirons out there. Check it out. You'll be able to find your favorite team's fans talking about their favorite teams. Get mm -hmm. on there. Check it out. Follow them on Spotify. Um, go give them a listen. Your, your favorite team is going to be there as well soon enough so go ahead and go get that follow hit the bell so you're notified every time a new episode yes. drops yep and we've got dolphin addicts flock the north for you ravens fans just dropped their first episode today and we're gonna get some browns brawl for you browns fans coming soon as well wow. as bills fans they're gonna get their team podcast launching so they're coming people they're coming a lot jump of great on it things now happening.
A lot of great things. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You know, feel free to follow Trevor and myself on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Dan underscore TF40. That's for my other show, The Fastest 40. And then we also have Trevor, and he will be followed at Trevor S. You don't have to do the full last name on this one. <laughs> Trevor S underscore FF for you know it, fantasy football. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week to give you wide receivers 25 through 13. Let's go. I need to know everything. Who in the what in the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche. There's five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for ghosts. To turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now you'll be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them.